As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, welcome to another Lazar Powers. This is Scott Powers of The Athletic with Mark Lazarus of the, at The Athletic. I almost forgot what the name of our podcast was. It's been... Uh... <laughs> I was blank for a second. Uh, we went it's a long to... day. Trade deadline day has that effect yeah, on Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it felt like nothing happened and everything happened. And uh, I'm in St. Louis, so I, <laughs> I, got to the, I got to the airport just as they were boarding the plane and Got to our podcast just as we were recording, so it's it's one of those days. So, um, Blackhawks did what we sort of expected them to do. Uh, they traded Ramon Leonard and they tra- traded Eric Gustafson. Uh, the price probably was uh, a little bit less than what we expected, um, but we sort of had an idea at least coming into today that, uh, considering the Blackhawks were probably a little bit high on their asking price and they hadn't met it yet, that eventually they probably have to come down. Um, they end up getting uh, a second-round pick, uh, Malcolm Subban, and uh, uh, I'm blanking on the uh, – who's the prospect now? Pro- the Ian Mitchell's buddy. Ian Mitchell's buddy. We'll just go to um, – <laughs> Slava Demon. Slava Demon. And then they uh, – and they also acquired a third-round pick. Um, so, yeah. I, it's I, underwhelming. No. It's, 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 it's an underwhelming – I mean, I look, in an idealized world, the Blackhawks were like, well, hey, we got a Vezina goalie here. A Vezina finalist goalie who's been playing great most of the season. Uh, we'll be able to swing a first-round pick for him, maybe get a little more than that. Eric Gustafson, hey, he had 60 points last year. We should be able to get, uh, if not a first-round pick, maybe two second-round picks for him. And you look around the league and, well, you know, Barclay Goodrow got a first-round pick. And uh, all these defensemen, Andy Green got a second-round pick. Why not Eric Gustafson? And 
to get a, a second rounder for Leonard and a third rounder for Gustafson, uh, it's better than nothing. And that's you know, one of the things Stan Bowman said is like, look, if you're going to lose these guys, you have to get some kind of assets for them. And this was the best I was out there, then so be it. But it's less than they wanted. It's less than they needed. And uh, it's tough if you're a Blackhawks fan right now because this is two relatively prominent players you had. And if you had traded Gustafson last year, you get a first-rounder for him. Uh, and if you, if you traded Leonard maybe a month ago, if he was still at the top of his game with a 930 save percentage, maybe you get a little more for him too. Instead, it's, a, it's kind of a tough pill to swallow to get a, a, a modest return for your two top players, rentals. Yeah, I think, I think that's a big thing because yeah, we, we've, you know, Bowman and John McDonough, everything they've said, it, it's been – it's this message, you know, longer, no longer, you know, about a month or so ago, it became no longer about making the playoffs. It was about uh, we need to become great again. And so it's it's what what leads you to become great. And part of it's attaining assets and, and usually high picks. And um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just it feels like, you know, if I'm Kane and Taves and Keith and uh, one, you've depleted this team. And, and certainly it's, it's going to be a struggle for them to win on most nights now, taking away Leonard and, and Gustafson and Crawford's been playing great to his credit, but he's not probably going to play every game. And um, the the defense changed a lot, even though Gustafson certainly has just deficiencies. He's he moves the puck, and and I, I think the last two games we've seen that the scoring chances have been pretty lopsided against the Blackhawks. And part of that's just that the Blackhawks create more offense with Gustafson on the ice, and um, you're giving more at you know more ice time to younger guys and putting guys in roles that are that are different so I think you know for that core it's it's you know we're, we're giving up on the present and um, to do that we, we're looking to the future and and, and training Leonard you know I, like I I think we would all have thought you know a couple months ago that Leonard was going to be a piece of the future where he'd been so good and uh, he seemed like he fit in this room and, and everything was clicking and you know at his age and um, you know, he certainly wanted to get paid, but you know, even as you reported today, it, it, it sounds like he came off that. You know, he was willing to take what the Blackhawks were to give him, um, and, and the Blackhawks weren't interested. So that's it's it's a little bit. I don't know. I mean, Stan Bowman was pretty elusive about any questions today about about Robin Leonard and negotiations, but they obviously didn't foresee him being part of the future because it. You know, he was going to make it work and. Um, I think it was an easy narrative for them to, to get away when the term wasn't there, but all of a sudden he you know he turns the page and says you know I'm willing to make it work, and then the Blackhawks stop talking basically. So it's uh, at least that that's you know I mean that's what you reported, and you know Bowman says you know if, if they want to if that side wants to talk, and um, you know you know I'm, I'm curious if Leonard talks on the record too what, what he's going to uh, what he's going to say too because I I think this all went sour on him pretty quickly where he thought this was going to be a different situation than than the Islanders yeah I mean put yourself in Leonard's in Leonard's shoes here and you know a month a month or so ago he was clearly the number one goalie on this team a little more than a month ago he was getting the net most nights Uh, Crawford was basically his backup and he had a bad night I forgot where it was exactly where he gave up like four goals on like 25 shots um, and Crawford got the net the next game, and he basically took the net because he was playing fantastic. That's that's hockey. That's life. But uh, it coincided kind of with the same time where negotiations started to break down a little bit between Leonard's camp and the Blackhawks, where they weren't really able to come to any kind of agreement. And I think, you know, it's pretty clear that that started weighing on Robin Leonard, and it affected his play when he did get in there, um, which isn't a great sign. I mean, you should you need – first of all, as a professional athlete, you have to be able to separate those two things. We hear it all the time. You know, all you can only focus on the things you can control. Um, that's all you can worry about. Uh, Leonard clearly was affected 
by the negotiations going south. He wanted to stay. He likes it here a lot. It's a good fit for him. He fits in that room. Robin Leonard is not going to fit in every single locker room. He is a huge personality, a loud guy, very opinionated. The Blackhawks love him, but that's not going to work in every single room. He found what he thought was a future home. And, you know, from everything I've heard, what I understand, and I have this on good authority, is that he was willing to come down to three years. Mm -hmm. Originally, he wanted five or six. The Blackhawks didn't want to go to five or six. He said, okay, well, I'll do three. I want to stay that badly. I'll take three. He said, you know, for less money, I don't know what that means exactly. I don't have specifics on that. But uh, from Leonard's camp is that offer never came. No such offer. No three-year deal was made. Once Leonard made it clear, he was willing to take three years. Um, uh, uh, the Blackhawks must have just assumed the, the, the cap hit would be too high and the way Corey Crawford's playing you can easily sign him he, he doesn't want to go anywhere he's been with the Hawks his whole career you know you could probably sign him to two years four million cap hit something like that that's very palatable when you have Dylan Strom's contract coming up you have Debrinkit's raise coming up you have Kubalik's next contract coming up you know the, the Hawks need cap space they have it right they have it this season but they don't have it next season because you know in theory Dahan and Seabrook are coming off LTIR um, for whatever reason, the wires got crossed. The, the 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 discussions broke down. It affected Leonard on the ice. At the same time, you had Corey Crawford taking the job back. That affected him further. And next thing you know, he's a a Vegas Golden Knight. And you know it, it, that's that's how quickly things can happen in this business. What I'm curious about how is is whether the Blackhawks are actually a better team next season. And and I and I think that's going to be a big part of where I'm sure our coverage will be going, you know, as this team falls further out of the playoff race. And um, because I, I don't, I don't know necessarily that's, that's going to be true. Like they're, they're certainly banking on Boquist and Doc and, and some of those guys that Nylander taking the next step. Um, but, you know, bringing Dahan and, and Seabrook, you know, Dahan is playing really well and I, I think he fits in, but you, you have a lot of similar defensemen, you know, like you don't have many guys that look like Gustafson, um, you know, Mod is playing well, but you know when you put him with Seabrook, it wasn't great. So I think the Blackhawks were better without Seabrook in some ways, and and now that you take away Leonard, um, yeah, it, it kind of adds some more questions. You know, like there's there's certainly whether Crawford's going to come back. I mean, uh, I think Crawford has incentive too, but they probably have to make the numbers work there a little bit. And um, you know, with the forwards, you bring the same group back. It, there's still the similar holes where you don't have a lot of two way forwards, and um, you know you have. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I guess when I look at the bigger picture, it's, it's where is it going and um, how quickly can they become great again if that's the goal? Because I don't know if it's just bringing everyone back and hoping people take steps forward because people take steps back too as they get older. And um, yeah, there's just this, uh, it's going to be a balancing act. And, and part of it's, part of the issues are financial too because um, even signing Leonard at a, you know, smaller price was was going to be hard if you're going to resign Strom and and Kubo League's value is certainly going up and Strom's has probably gone down a little bit. But uh, there's some math to be done. And then um, it's it's if you're bringing back the same team, are you expecting growth from within? And that's what's going to make the difference with this, I guess, team going forward. Yeah, I mean, what well, that that's the you and I have been talking about this for over a year now. What's the direction of this team? What are they doing? You mentioned how John McDonough said they don't really want to just tread water anymore. They want to be great again. How do they get to that point? This roster is not very flexible. You have the guys you have. You have your big expensive guys at the top. They're not going anywhere. You have your prized young guys at the bottom. They're not going anywhere. The mushy middle has a lot of guys with term. Olimata's got term. Zach Smith has term. Ryan Carpenter has term. 
this is basically the team going forward. You could buy out Smith and you could buy out Mata. You know, that would free up some space and, you know, allow you to maybe make some additions. But they're not going to be huge additions. They're going to be depth additions. Yeah. I don't see how you fundamentally alter the trajectory of this team right now other than Kirby Doc becoming amazing and Adam Boquist becoming amazing. Unless they're the next Taves and Keith, it's hard to envision this team getting great again anytime soon. A lot of it comes down to, I think... Like, Gustafson would have been, like, mod. Like, there's a lot of guys who, who would have been fine, like, if this was the Blackhawks team of old, you know? Like, it was um, – because, I, I, honestly, Cuckoo and Mata, at least analytically, have been probably the best pairing as of late. Um, you know, Murphy's been good all year. But I still feel like, you know, like, you, you have Duncan Keith, who's your lead defenseman, and, and he fits so many situations, and he can skate and defend, and, um, you know, he doesn't produce points as much, but he, he can still pass the puck and do all these things. And I think Murphy's gotten better at moving the puck and some of those things, but there's still, you know, he's more that defensive defenseman. And I, I at some point, Duncan Keith's going to look like his age, you know, like he's, he's, I, I know he does a lot of things um, to make himself play younger and feel younger. And um, in time, it, it's going to become more difficult. And the Blackhawks need to have defensemen that take that next step. And, you know, I, I think Ian Mitchell has that potential um, but then you're banking on a rookie to come in and be that guy. I, I don't, you know, I, I guess that's part of the thing is that they haven't had the people that kind of step in, um, step in the places, you know, like you needed someone probably Duncan Keith probably should have been, you know, had more of a decreased role in the last few years. And they've still riding him at, you know, 24 to 26 minutes. And as of late, he's been really been, really been getting the ice time. So I, I eventually they need to figure out who those defensemen are and, um, you know, I, I even started looking at some of the draft draft picks for this year, and, you know, it looks like the Blackhawks would end up with another, you know, top six, top seven pick, and you, you think they need to start continue focusing on defensemen because you need to land uh, you need to land those top-pairing guys because, uh, you know, I, I think Bocas can be it, but um, there's no there's no guarantee yet either, and even Mitchell, and, um, uh, yeah, just, I, I'm curious of when, especially that top-pairing, where, where that comes next because I think that's a key to the future is, is finding who Duncan Keats uh, successor is yeah look I know every Blackhawks fan it seems was 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 fed up with Eric Gustafson because of the defensive liabilities but like you said they don't have anybody like him Duncan Keith used to be that guy the puck moving guy the engine of the offense the power play quarterback but Keith has, himself has said I can't do that anymore it's not because he's physically incapable it's because this team needs him to play defense first mm-hmm. he's never had to do that in his career he's always been an offensive first guy um, and, and, you know, he's been partnered with Adam Boquist or he's been partnered with Gustafson uh, pretty much all year. And in that role, he's the safety blanket. He's playing 25 minutes a night on a team with his terrible defense, team defense. So he's been focusing on defense first. He hasn't been activating the way he wants to activate in the offense. And it's, and it's you know, prevented him from producing like he normally does. His point totals are way down. Um, and, and there's nobody else, in the, you know, Adam Boquist is theoretically, he, he models his game after Eric Carlson. He's supposed to be an all-offensive guy. But because he's a 19-year-old in the NHL, he's been focusing on his defense, 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 defense. So now you have nobody that can really move the pucks. Slater Cuckoo, Oli Mata, Connor Murphy, uh, Keith playing defense, Boquist focusing on defense, Nick Sealer, Dennis Gilbert, whoever you throw out there, you basically have all these guys thinking defense first, and it's still a bad defensive team. So it, it's, it's kind of disconcerting. To, and then you bring in Ian Mitchell. Well, what's he going to be able to do as a first-year player, you know, either in the last couple of games of this season or next season? Um, there's not a lot of reinforcements on the horizon, but there's also not a lot of flexibility on that back end. Assuming that Tahan can come back from a second major soldier sur- shoulder surgery, which is no guarantee. That's difficult. In hockey, you need shoulders. They're, they're important. 
uh, and if Seabrook can come back as the bionic man from two hip surgeries and a shoulder surgery, uh, there's not a lot of wiggle room here. It's going to be basically the same team, and it's going to be Duncan Keith playing 25 minutes a night again, and he's going to have to counter for Boquist or Mitchell or whoever they partner with him. Connor Murphy has emerged as a very, very good defenseman. Calvin DeHaan was looking like a number one defenseman when he got hurt, but we can't you know, Connor Murphy shouldn't be your number one defenseman. He'd be an ideal number two or three. This team is not constructed in a way that is go- that is going to have a satisfactory blue line, and it's also not constructed in a way where you can remedy that situation. This is what they are, and I don't know how they get out of it. And what's interesting is that even, you know, calling up Lucas Carlson, and I thought he played pretty well against Dallas, it's that if something like him emerges or if even Mitchell emerges, they need to make some tough decisions too because – uh, you are bringing in a bunch of veterans, and we'll, we'll see if they buy out Mata. Because um, even buying out Mata and, and Smith, it's it, you're still you're still going to have almost two million dollars on the books. Like it makes it makes a difference in, in, in the long term. But um, usually financially, you, you don't want to just carry two million dollars from buying out players. So I, I, I'm curious how Bowman addresses that, and um, I, I think trading Leonard it simplifies it a little bit just because now you don't have as many contracts and, um, and, and Leonard was going to probably cost you more than Crawford. So, um, but even that, you know, I, I like Carlson. Carlson is a guy who who can move the puck, you know, he, he's, uh, he was, he was one of Rockford's best uh, passers and, you know, he's playing on a power play and I, and I thought he distributed the puck pretty well. Um, you know, there's some questions about his skating, but he, he's pretty smart too. So, um, you, you know what's been interesting too is that I obviously the Blackhawks fans have been been angry here for a little bit and we, we we've seen that through uh, on Twitter and certainly in our comments section but I, but I feel like it, it's gone to another level where uh, all of a sudden you know like they got back in the race and people were some people gave them a chance like let's see let's see where this goes and then now that they've fallen out of it now that they've become sellers and I, I think a lot of people fell in love a lot of fans fell in love with Robin Leonard and his personality and and, and now you're trading him and um, I feel like the anger has went up another notch where, um, you know, people talking about getting rid of their season tickets and, you know, certainly we're hearing more about the fire Bowman and fire McDonough and fire Colleton. And um, I wonder what level the Blackhawks organization is aware of where the fans are at. And sometimes it's hard to gauge because uh, it's certainly, you know, the, the people who are, who are speaking up with their angry ones, but I feel like it's a growing number. And at some point they have to be concerned at where, how that affects ticket sales or just, affects the tone. I mean, Carlton's getting booed, um, you know, when his name's getting announced again. And I imagine that gets worse as the season goes. So, uh, you know, we, we've both tried to talk to John McDonough. He spoke to ESPN Radio and kind of talked about a long-term thing. But I, I think there's some questions there still to be asked about um, the direction of this team and whether Carlton's his, his head coach of the future, whether Stan Bowman's his GM of the future. And if that's the case, then what, what's the plan? Because I, I do think this is a fan base that's, uh, you know, it's it's it continues. Yeah, it's 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 getting more angry and angry, and and at some point, it's going to affect the bottom line. But also, just uh, yeah, I, I think it affects the organization and the light it's put in and the su- success they've had in in the past. Well, there were twenty one thousand eight hundred something people at the United Center on last Friday night for that Rangers game. They were loud. They were into it until it all fell apart. Until there are truly giant swaths of empty seats, I don't know if they're going to be able to do anything. They're kind of in that where the Chicago Bulls were for years, where they weren't good, 
They weren't horrendous, but they were still selling tickets, so they had no motivation to tear it down and no motivation to get all that much better. Uh, until, you know, if fans are that irate, they're going to have to vote with their wallets. That's the only way to do it. That's the only way that's going to really get huge change here, and I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, they, they, the, the season ticket renewals will undoubtedly be down next year, but the line for those season tickets is so big that they'll fill back up again. They'll still probably be 21,000 people a night at the United Center next year. Um, it, it's, it's a cynical way of looking at it, but until those parking lots are empty and until those seats are empty, uh, the the Blackhawks are still making a lot of money, and in in you know, uh, you know they're not going to trade any like of their I, big stars. I, I feel like I see ads more, and, and they've certainly gone to ticket packages, and they've. Oh, kept, they're trying harder. Yeah, yeah, it's getting harder. Yeah, and that's the thing. At some point, I think it does become more difficult. Where, um, even even now in March and stuff, I, I'm curious to see what the what the building's going. And there's a lot of home games coming up, and. Uh, you know, yeah, the whole month of March is at home. Yeah, basically. so I, I, I don't know if the sellout streak ends, but I, I think the building's going to look emptier. Um, and yeah, I, at some point, I'd be surprised. One, I'd be surprised if season tickets moved again. You know, I, I don't know if they. Uh, it's usually teams don't, uh, you know, drop prices, but I, I would, I would think they, they remain even. And, um, but yeah, I, I think it is becoming harder, and, and it certainly has to be a concern. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if next season. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what happens, but I, I think there is at least there's a segment of this of this fan base, and I think it's growing that are, um, yeah, are, are getting angrier, and and I think they're and they have the right to be. And I, I I get on fans a little bit on Twitter sometimes when they go over the top with the vitriol. Or they you know they don't they're not they're not disappointed with Eric Gustafson or they're not you know frustrated with him. They hate him. Yeah. They hate him. He's the worst person ever and I hate him and fire him into the sun. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. And it's very childish and silly. And I, I you know, I, 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 that bothers me as just an objective observer of people who lose their perspective like that. Yeah, no, but I, they have every right to be angry about the way the team is right now. This, sure. is a, this was a team that was dominant for a decade and in, in these fans see the Penguins still doing it with, with Crosby in his mid-30s. They see Boston still doing it with the you know Bergeron in his mid-30s and Chara at 112 years old. And they're thinking, well, why can't we do that? Why isn't it like that here? We were basically at that same level. We were better than them. And now we're so far behind them. And they're still having fun. And they're still competing. And we're going through the third straight meaningless spring. And I understand that anger. It's righteous and deserved anger. Uh, some some people lose perspective, go over the top. That's a separate issue. But they have every right to be angry with the way this team is headed. I understand the fire stand, fire Colleton, fire McDonough, fire all that. I got people complaining about Rocky Wirtz these days. I thought he was an untouchable. Yeah. But they're but they're, they're mad that he's not stepping in and, and, and doing something about it. I don't know if firing everybody is the right answer. But I understand why fans would be feeling that when we're five years now. This is going to be five years without a playoff win for a team that built a fan base on expected greatness. No, I, I don't think necessarily firing everyone is, is it, but I, I'd like to hear what I, I think I'd like to hear from either Bowman and, and McDonough is just that what, if, if these are the people who are in place, why do they fit those roles? Like if, if this is the development team, um, how do you, why are you confident Colleton being the development coach or, or, or McDonough? Why are you confident in Stan Bowman being the person that's going to lead this rebuild? I, I, I think those are some answers uh, to be had, um, and and yeah, and, and even yesterday I got into it with, with people who were saying that Stan Bowman hasn't drafted well, and I was like, yeah, honestly, he has. I mean, if you look, that's at, ridiculous. The problem is he doesn't keep his right. Draft well, picks. that's that's what I got into, and I was trying to <laughs> he drafts terrifically. Trying to, trying to tell them that it's two separate things, like drafting and keeping are two different. But the people get so angry that uh, you know, saying that well, if he drafts them and trades them, then it changes everything. And 
and I, and, I, and I think you and I have been pretty objective about this throughout, where uh, Sam, Sam Bowman's done a lot of great things. I, I think they've drafted well. I think they've signed Europe from Europe well. Um, it's, it's, it's retaining those players. And um, at this point, you know, when, when things, when they signed Gabe Seabrook, that contract, or even, uh, even when he made money, made those trades for Panarin and Jarmelson at those points, he, he didn't deserve to be on the hot seat, you know, like they certainly can be uh, evaluated at the time. um, And we can certainly look at them now at a different perspective, but I I think there's enough time passed where you've missed the playoffs enough. And and there's some, certainly some questions at whether um, he can, he can be the one that can guide this team out of it. But I, I don't think, to say that Stan Bowman's been a horrible GM is fair, or, or to take away what the no, Blackhawks have done, you know, drafting or signing players. It's uh, he, he certainly deserves his his fair share of criticism, but um, it still has to be objective. And I, and I and I think that you and I have been pretty good at that and uh, balancing it. And um, I, I think you know, as of late, that we've certainly been critical of them too. Hey everybody, if you want to read all of our award winning content on the Athletic. Uh, just go to theathletic.com slash Laz and Powers and get 40% off your first year as a subscriber. Now, you're right. We need to hear from John McDonough on this or Rocky Wirtz even. Like, we need to hear from the big boys. I talked to Stan Bowman uh, last week when we were in Calgary. I asked him about Colleton. said he's doing a fantastic job. You know, everyone out there saying that Colleton's going to get fired this offseason. He's not going to get fired this offseason. Not if Stan Bowman's the GM. I've got no indication that, that Colleton's hot seat is or seat is hot at all. Uh, Bo- Bowman, on the record... Gave him the big vote of confidence there. Said he's done a fantastic job. You can't turn around and then fire him six weeks later. So unless there's wholesale changes, this is the group. This is what you're going into war with. So we need to hear from John McDonough about his uh, confidence level in his management and his coach and the direction the team is headed. What's the plan here? Are they are is this a team? You know, he he talked in the past about we're not rebuilding, we're re-winning. Well, that hasn't happened. They're not winning. Uh, is this the plan going forward? Is there a way to fundamentally alter the structure of this organization right now? Do you bring in a, a president of hockey ops? We've seen a lot of teams do that. You know, someone to supervise Bowman. That way you, you don't fire Bowman, but you bring in a Brendan Shanahan type to oversee it. We've seen that in a lot of teams. It doesn't always work. It's not always the best idea. I don't know if I advocate it or not. But you'd like to see something done from the higher, higher ups. And that's Rocky Wirtz and that's John McDonough. They've, they've, been, they've basically, they've been unfair to, to Bowman and Colleton in a lot of ways. They've left them twisting in the wind, forced to answer for this. You know, everybody knows that the, that, that McDonough does, is not an, uh, a casual bystander of this team. He's not making hoppy, hockey ops decisions like some of the conspiracy theorists out there, but he's involved. He, he's, he is in constant communication with his, his, his management. And I'd like to know, we need to know, fans deserve to know what he thinks of this. I mean, he went on ESPN Radio, that's good, that's a start. But, you know, he, he needs to talk to those of us that cover this team on a regular basis um, and, 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 talk, and answer some hard questions. Because ultimately the accountability is going to fall on him, you know, where it's if you are going to continue with the coaching staff and they continue with the GM and they fail, then it, it's, it's, it's not them failing as much as you've empowered them. And, and at some point it, it falls somewhere further up the top when, when you continue to go down that road. So yeah, I, I'm curious because the message has certainly changed, you know, listening uh, to John McDonough and ESPN, that, that hockey show was, was uh, yeah, it was a little eye-opening where I hadn't heard him talk that much about the future in the past where uh, I remember, you know, uh, certainly all summer and getting into this season was, was, it was just get in and anything can happen. Um, and, and then he obviously had that rough start and, and things sort of 
went south on them where they thought this team was going to be competitive and, and, it, and it proved not to be. And, um, you know, they got into it again, but I think they sort of saw the writing on the walls that uh, as much as you were battling for a playoff spot, it was kind of hit or miss. You're still 20 points behind St. Louis and uh, you're probably going to struggle in, in the playoffs. So I, I think they needed to, um, you know, kind of see, look at the bigger picture and kind of face the, you know, face what's, uh, you know, people have seen the last couple of years that this team probably wasn't going anywhere. And, um, and I, I think some fans are angry too because this this past offseason they had a lot of cap space. They had ways uh, to impact change, and 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 some players have worked out and some didn't. But uh, this season wasn't sold on rebuilding and looking to the future. It was sold on getting back in the playoffs. And now they've kind of had to spin it a little bit different based on how the season's gone. So um, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious what the continuing message will be, but more of just what the plan is and how. Because um, even if now, there is a plan. That's what we need to know. Yeah, is there a plan? Yeah. Because no, even now, remember, like, remember a few years ago. Oh, go ahead. No, I was, was going to say even now, like you get you get draft picks, you get a you get a second round draft pick, and uh, you, you know for uh, uh, for Leonard today, it's it's that's someone that you probably won't see. Like Alex Velasic, you drafted in the second round last year, and, and I don't think we'll see him in the NHL in four or five years. Like it's uh, what what happened to Brinkett and some of these guys. It's it's not that as common, you know. Like they, it, as much as you drafted to Brinkett in the second round, you also drafted uh, Chad Chris and, and Kayimov, and and Kayimov just signed a multi year extension and. In, in Russia and, and you know Chad Chris is in Rockford. Yeah, and, to bring it in Sod are the exception. Yeah, like it, the it, it, they certainly have had success drafting the second round, but um, even with the top six pick or so, like it's Boquist has probably happened faster than people thought, and and Doc's certainly been uh, you know taking that next step. But it, it's not necessarily even if they draft another top five player that this is someone who's going to be year in a year or two. Like it, it doesn't always happen like that. So. Um, it's not just adding assets and prospects. It's uh, and especially if you're going to appease your veterans or your core or tell them that you know, be patient with us because we want to win again. There there has to be an outline to how that is done um, in ways outside. I think other than just drafting and, and adding prospects. You remember a few years ago, or it might have been two years. Ago, I've lost all track of time and space. But uh, the Rangers, after years of almost contending they went to the 2014 cup final but they were always kind of around it they'd win a round or two but they never really went farther uh and and you know Lundqvist was getting on in age and you know they they made a public statement they sent out they sent a letter to the season ticket holders and made it public and said look we're putting pause on this we're gonna go and we're gonna re- we're gonna redo this we're gonna we're asking for your patience we know that you want more than this but stick with us we got a plan here and you know what Rangers fans took it really well they understood Hockey fans are sophisticated and savvy when it comes to these kinds of things. If you're honest with them and you tell them, look, what we're doing right now is not working, so we're going to change what we're doing. And it might be bad for a little while, but you'll see the results and and you'll be able to monitor it as we go. Look at White Sox fans right now. For the last three years, they've been very patient. They've been excited. They've been into it. I mean, there's, but the, the downside is they're not selling tickets yet. Maybe they will this year. They don't get good TV ratings. Maybe they will this year. And that's what I think scares off the Blackhawks and other teams from doing such a thing. But if you're open and honest with the fans that this is the plan, and you know we can't tell you exactly how we're going to do it, but we're going to make sure that you know three years from now we are back in contention, not just for the playoffs but for the Stanley Cup. This team has bought enough goodwill to be able to do that. You won three cups in six years. You know you have earned the right to be able to take a step back now. I think that fans would get behind that if that meant started to ask about some of the big names about their no trade clauses, things like that. If, I think that you could kind of 
get the fan base on board with that. But to just leave everybody twisting in the wind like this, and it, it just feels like a rudderless ship right now. And maybe it's not. Maybe there is a plan. But nobody knows what it is. Nobody has a sense of what this team is trying to do. You're trying to win now? You're trying to win next year? You're trying to win five years from now? You, what's the plan here? Until we have some kind of articulation of that, you're going to have an angry fan base. You're going to have a bunch of uh, you know ink-stained wretches like us, you know, <laughs> bitching and moaning and, and, and taking shots. And you're going to have, uh, you know, eventually fans tuning out. And that's the worst thing is you know, the Blackhawks are very conscious of their stature in the Chicago sports hierarchy. And the Cubs are on the way down, and the Bears are always the Bears. But, you know, the, the Bulls, you know, the, the Hawks got to thank their lucky stars every day that the Bulls exist because they're not taking any attention away. Uh, the White Sox could be getting better. You know, this not too long ago, the Hawks were the number one team in town, up there with the Bears. And then the Cubs won the World Series and took it over. And now the Hawks, they're not fading out of, out of uh, relevance. Not yet. They're still selling out. But at, at some point, that's going to happen. So you have to level with them and say, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do. And come on board and, and we'll make it happen. No, I agree. Yeah, I'm uh, – I, I think I – mean, PR, PR goes a long way with this stuff. Yeah, it's they, – I mean, they have pizza too. Like, it, like you, Doc's – Doc has a chance to be a stud, you know. Like, I was talking to someone, uh, a scout the other day, and, and they're like, a year from now, he's probably going to be finishing a lot of those moves that he makes now with the Deeks and – um, you know all this, all the plays where he just he's, he's unable to kind of complete it now, and in a year or two he's going to be strong enough and uh, just get this league more where those things start going in at a, at a high rate. And um, I think you know I don't think the Brinkett has another season like this. I, I think this was you know this this will this will kind of be an off year. And um, I think there are I think you know everything I've heard from Mitchell. And I'm going to go see Mitchell here in a few weeks and watch him in person. And I, I think he's a stud. Um, he has a chance to be one. So I, I think there's some pieces um, that could be in the Blackhawks' favor, but it's it's building around them and it's, you know, getting some of these... There's a lot to like. There's a lot to advertise. There's a lot to hang your hat on if you're a, a Hawks fan. You could say, as long as you know, all right, well, this is what I'm worried about now. I'm worried about seeing Kirby Doc do that and Adam Boquist do that and Ian Mitchell. You know, you have to... That's what White Sox fans have been doing for a couple of years now. They get excited about Eloy. They get excited about uh, every time a new pitcher comes in or, or every time one of these great prospects they get comes up. That's what you have to focus on if that's if that's what the deal is. But don't tell us... Don't go out there and tell everybody you're going to win this year when you're not going to win this year. That's yeah. how you get angry fans. For sure. I, I was I was interesting. I was talking to uh, talking to someone recently about uh, Rockford, and and it sounds like Nick Nick Bodan's not really uh, not that they that they're worried about what he can become, but he's it's taken him longer to make the transition from uh, from junior to to pro, and uh, and 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 that's some of the reality too is that when you draft someone in the later first round, I mean Yoki Haru kind of came on quick, but. Um, Bodan hasn't clicked yet. He's been more of a third-pairing guy, and he's he's struggled passing the puck and, and doing the things that he's uh, that he's known for and, and sort of his strengths. So um, I think there's some of that too, where it's uh, you know banking on the future. Sometimes it takes longer. You know, like some of these guys need some development, so it has to be some some within. But it's also getting the right pieces around them. So I, I think guys like uh, you know Derek King talked to so highly of Kurashev, and I think Kurashev's someone who could push for a spot here within uh within a year or so and you know you get lucas carlson coming up and i i think there's some promising prospects in there um but yeah it's, it's about adding you know maybe adding someone from outside and that becomes a little bit harder with the, with the cap so um yeah i feel like we're again probably talking in circles well, and yeah well and, but then the one thing i would add to that is the question then becomes 
what do Kane and Taves and Keith and Seabrook and Crawford all think about yeah. that? Are they willing to be patient at this stage of their career? And if they're not, would they be willing to look elsewhere? I don't think that's it's nowhere near that point yet, and I don't think they have any desire to leave. But at some point, if it's going to be a years-long process and you come out and say that much, that's going to be the next big issue is what what do your aging stars think? Do they want to play out their careers and rest on their three-cup laurels or do they want to go out and chase another one elsewhere? So that's a bridge to cross when we come to it. Nowhere near that yet. But that is, that is a discussion that will happen at some point down the road. Yes. Uh, I'm in St. Louis. I'll have some uh, – Bowman's going to talk to the uh, media here tomorrow evening. Uh, you're going to be in Tampa and then in Sunrise, and you get to see Joel. I again. will be in Tampa, assuming I get out of here. It's Snowmageddon coming, so oh, uh, we'll see about that. But that's my hope. When's, when's <laughs> supposed to, will, will I get home? <laughs> Tuesday and Wednesday, we're supposed to get dumped on pretty oh. good. So uh, my flight's Wednesday afternoon, so we'll see how that works yeah, out. Well, hopefully, I can get home. So. Um, yeah, so we'll. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that we'll get a little bit more creative here too with stories as we go down the stretch and. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things where, like this this time of year, when things go south and there's nothing to play for, on the one hand, you could have a little more fun and tell just about any story you always wanted to tell, which is my favorite thing to do. On the other hand, you have to get guys to go along with you and have fun when they're not having any fun losing every night. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. I'm honestly glad the trade deadline's done. And I'm sure the Blackhawks are too. I, I think we get yeah kind of waiting. It's for a stressful time of year for everybody. Trying to hit up sources and yeah, it's uh, it's, a bit it's stressful for fans too. I mean, you can become attached to these guys and then. They just disappear for so little return. It's 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 tough to be a fan. I remember being an Islanders fan growing up when Mike Milbury was the GM. You can imagine what every trade deadline was like for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Robin Leonard today was, you know, I, I think a, a lot of people really fell in love with his personality and, and certainly his play and the Panda. And um, I think a lot of people were just angry to see him go because, um, yeah, it just, it's uh, – they, they really found him kind of an enduring person and um, certainly his message and all those things really, uh, I, I think, clicked with a lot of people. And certainly I think within the Hawks room, he, he'd been pretty good. So I, I know that he had a reputation in some places, maybe rubbing people the wrong way. But I, I think in Chicago it fit and it, it seemed like he was well-liked. And certainly when we did the uh, the team survey that everyone kind of joked around and, uh, you know, it's uh, it was all in fun. So. I think uh, even tomorrow I'm going to be talking to some players about him going. I, I think some people will miss him, and Gossison was well liked too. So, yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what the next six weeks brings. Maybe they win their last twenty games in a row in a uh, big fu fashion. Yeah, and make the playoffs. We shall see. Probably not. <laughs> um, so we will be so we'll, uh, be back yeah. at. So we're, we're doing a weekly podcast now on Mondays and. I guess this one will be out on Tuesday, but usually we'll try to hit up uh, early in the week. Would have been pretty silly to do one on Monday this week. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll be back at it next week, and we'll, we'll try to still throw in, in the emergency podcast if there's a reason to. Uh, uh, we haven't really had a reason yet to, but we will uh, maybe have multiple podcasts in some weeks. So. Um, I'm Scott Powers. I'm Mark Lazarus. We'll t- talk to you next time. Take care. Won't you let me try? Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub. 
an official partner of The Athletic.